My name is Jack Oway. And I am Jay Oway. And we welcome you back to another episode of Like Dragon. Like Sun. See, like just like that, we finish each other's sentences. And uh, today, we're going to be fin- finishing each other's semantic and verbal components. Semantic? Semantic. I think a lot of people think it's semantic. Semantic. No, that would be the verbal bit. Yeah, that's like the semantics of it, you know, semantic, like your hand gestures and whatnot. Yeah, so if there's two of you casting one spell, then it's like a high five. (laughs) Well, that's not a thing, but if there were two people casting the same spell, that'd be crazy. That could be a very cool class, perhaps. In fact, (laughs) it's something we're working on. But um, I think that's a a good point before we delve into our main topic today, which is all about uh, famous wizards and spell casters across D&D history. There's a new book coming out. New book coming out. Oh, Yes. New book coming out, very exciting, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. You may know Tasha from her hideous laughter spell. I, I, it's unfortunate that the word hideous is in there. I, I don't think it makes it. I no, no, I don't think it has to be hideous. I, I can think it'd be, it'd be like a little cute. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's uncontrollable. Uncontrollable, irresistible laughter. Hideous, uncontrollable right? laughter. That's a good name they, for it. They give her a bad rap on that one. That's true. See, it's this is more Because then you think it's like her like laughter is hideous. You know, but. We are going to talk about name brand spells. Yeah, store bought spells. The versus, ones with the, the versus the tag still on them. Generic, no name spells. Although there's versions for some of the very big ones that just drop the name entirely. Uh, like yeah, that has to do with, with rights and things and, for the exactly, SRD and but, things. But hey, uh, we like spells with names. Yeah. They're fun. They make you wonder hey, who was this strange wizard and where are they now? Mm. But going back to our original, I, I really do want to get into that. But I think we addressed an important thing that super quick I want to address. Maybe this is out of, out of left field, but we talked about somatic and verbal components. <laughs> right. Somatic. Um, if, you're, if you can't speak, you can't cast spells. If you're restrained or grappled, even, you can't cast spells because you need to have your hands free unless, of course, you're a war caster. And if you can't provide the material, is obvious, then, of course, it fails. But I think a lot of people only if, think about material. if you're in a bubble of silence? Material. Yeah, if you're... Under the silence spell, like your spell casting isn't going to work. That's one of the biggest. Like if you're a wave got, shadow monk, boom. Unless you've got yeah, or or some a sort cleric, of subtle casting or thing. exactly some sort of subtle casting. That's another great thing. Like that's one of the most powerful, but often neglected because a lot of people forget about verbal and somatic. What about arcane focus? Arcane focuses foci. foci. I think you still need verbal and somatic components, even with a spell casting focus. I think you don't get a like get out of that. Like you don't get a get out of waving of your hands. You, know, you still got to wave your hands around and say the schnoobly boobly. Schnoobly boobly. Is but, that actually what your wizard says? Well, for some spells. Schnoobly boobly. Perhaps for Albi- Abby Dalzim's horde wilting. Oh. <laughs> I'm funny that you mentioned Abby Dalzim. Abby right. Dalzim. What a name. Yeah. Do you know what it really means? Uh, No. In ancient Baklunish, it means the father of droughts. Abby Dalzim is both a skilled elementalist and dreaded practitioner of necromancy. I believe from the world of Greyhawk, though I may be uh, wrong. Born in 510CY in the dry steps. I have no Everybody idea Everybody knows means. this, right? <laughs> um, 
What is yeah. CY? Okay, that's a uh, whole other discussion. But yeah, let's not dwell too long. Little on... is known of his childhood or his real name. Uh, if you dig onto the interwebs, you will find write-ups for each of people these. People have wizards. written up stuff, or there's existing stuff. Not all of it is canon. canon. No. <laughs> However, there are sometimes, like for some of uh, the the major creators of these things, like people like Ed Greenwood. Um, who have taken some time and will will highlight some of their little brief write-ups on them. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the creators, though, people like Gary Gygax, um, are no longer around. So it's only what they've left behind. Mm. And, hey, I myself made up wizards back in the 80s, and I can promise you right now, I can't remember anything about them. Mm. So the fact that they've survived the fact that any long, of these exactly. ones, well, they were put to like paper I know, and they the printed internet millions and then, of copies exactly, of, with their name you know, out there. But everyone they didn't these are print a lot of else with them. They didn't print character sheets to go with them. Mm. So and that brings us to what this today's episode is about: like Dragon, like Sun, podcast for all ages, even if you're a hundred plus, you can enjoy D and D, and yeah, we're oh. bringing enlightenment to the many faces behind D&D spells. That's right. That people uh, may not understand. I mean, I certainly did not know who these people were. Yeah, so we're, we're going to talk about... We're who they talk are, about who they might be. Famous wizards. And, famous wizards. And let's start with Tasha. She's got a Tasha, whole book coming yes. out. she got Tasha's coming calling out. everything. Um, she's coming got a couple soon. names. Exciting. Right? Um, uh, some people call her Natasha. That's more um, of a first name basis type. Yeah, like, well, you know, again, I don't think a lot of people thing, go but... with that so much anymore. She kind of dropped that. Uh, um, and there's, of course, the easy roll off the tongue, super pretty Igwilv. Igwilv. That's her. Some other Sylvan name, undercommon uh, something name. Dunno. Sure, it's a, some language. Uh, yeah, it says, it seems to think that. Um, Gygax uh, cited the Finnish uh, epic. Oh, right. Uh, of course. <laughs> a book called Calavella. That is, uh, and that, anyways, that's it, it was some character in that book that, that was inspired the it. But she's known as the of, Queen Witch. Yeah, Queen Witch. And she has a book coming out soon. We like witch, with all sorts witch of ideas. Things. Yes, of course. And we're, of course, working on our witch class. Perhaps now to be released on Thrown the same in day. In a cauldron. As. As this book itself, and you may know her from her hideous laughter spell, which is a great low-level spell, often overlooked for its ability to incapacitate. Yeah, your foes. you fail, fail a save, and then you just roll around on the floor. Yeah. Really, really sucks. Doesn't really hurt you. No, no, no. But I don't think that. I think that's even better than many low-level spells. Sure. I think much like a sleeper, a, a color spray. That this, I mean, it is a little bit more focused, but like it means that you're not initiating combat per se, but instead now that guard can't come and attack you or opportunity to attack your friends or and do and whatever this, and they're on the floor I've seen, rolling around i've actually seen uh the crew over at uh critical role when mm. they're uh i think it was search for grog wasn't it was it they're, or was it yeah, twiggy they're like 20th level they were they had gone to the plane of pandemonium oh, they're right. fighting some massive demon and yeah they used hideous laughter to slow them down mm. and i sort of find wow just wow a spell low level spells sometimes just the trick yeah i mean there are a couple conditions like it can't affect low intelligence creatures because they just don't find it funny yeah, they're unable to they understand your humor get the joke <laughs> i'd like a higher level version where it's like only certain like very intellectual people understand your joke and they're affected like people with 
intelligence scores of 18 or higher. <laughs> but like a snobby version of Tasha's hideous laughter where only like super educated people understand the joke. But that's not our only spell, though. It's the only thing she's credited with in fifth edition. That's true. Um, Ooh, there seems to be some. There seems to be yeah. exactly. Yeah. Dragon Dragon Magazine, uh, issue number Which eighty-three. Is a D and D magazine from the nineties, eighties, something. Well, it's still they still no, use I mean, it online yeah, but now. From There's a digital version. This was published back. Yeah. Well, back in the day before we had interwebs mm. and we had to like read paper to learn things. Uh, this one came out in 1984, same year that I started playing D&D. I didn't know about Dragon Magazine, uh, and I didn't actually see the article, but it was titled Lore of Subtle Communication by Tasha. And it included some spells that we know today. Such as Message, the cantrip, uh, the very common cantrip. Yeah. Comprehend Languages. Which is a great one. Great first level spell, very powerful spell. Many people take it. I think it's a great spell. And then... The fifth level, legend lore. Yeah, legend lore, which essentially gives you like insights into a, like a specific item. Like you learn its history and things like that. But it's very interesting to know that these were all credited. A, yeah, and there's it says there was then, another one called invention. ventriloquism as well, which which I think a lot of people I've seen on the Reddit's and is. things like that are like, I want a ventriloquism yeah, spell where it used to be there. You know, it used to be there. Maybe people, even be available to us in November. Ventriloquists <laughs> in D D, they really do. Mm. Um, it's a great so, yeah. spell being maybe, able to speak through other people fingers crossed maybe it'll be in the book when it comes out who knows out. exactly this November but that is Tasha or Igwilf Igwilf Queen Witch we've got plenty of wizards here you may know classics such as Leomund for his secret chest or tiny hut uh, doesn't he have it didn't he I think I have this feeling like his hut he used to have a bigger hut mm, yeah maybe it just shrunk no over like, time. I think there really was um, I know like Mordenkainen's got like a mansion thing mm. but i always feel like liamond had back in the day and i i, could, I don't know a regular hut. this up it was there was like a tiny hut and then there was like it was more like a like a like a house sort of thing or a cottage of some sort that popped up and it was it was like it had little servants inside it had a door you could like sort of come in and out of um and there's sort of versions of something similar today but I think that spell sort of evolved over the years. Mm. I mean, now that looks more like Galder's Tower. Yeah. Which, which is, is credited to a different who's, wizard. Who's that guy? Uh, who is Galder? I have no idea who Galder is. Really? I, haven't, I haven't researched it. Uh, but the spells come from the lost laboratory of Qualish, apparently. Who's Qualish? I don't know. It's another guy. That's an adventure book uh, available to us in, in fifth edition. I've never played Lost Laboratory of Qualish, but Galder's Tower and I also believe Galder's Speedy Courier both would come uh, from that source book or adventure book there. Uh, I don't know who Galder is. That's something perhaps for the right. listeners at home to research. What, what, what about Lehman? Did you have something? No, no, I have nothing about Lehman. There's many here that I, I haven't got right <laughs> no up to. No idea. But All right, who do we, who do we know of? <laughs> uh, I, I have you. Avard. Do you know Avard's Black Tentacles? No. Those like, whoosh, that spell. Uh, I think it's kind of a bit of a warlock spell. I don't even know if wizards do get it. Uh, no, they do get it. Okay. But it's also a great old one and Lurker in the Deep. They're like tentacles that come out of nowhere. They're conjuration. It's like a newish spell. So they are, are they? I'm not sure if they could be old, but uh, it does seem like a newish spell. Evard, also known as Evard the Black, is a neutral evil archmage responsible for developing such spells as Evard's Black Tentacles. Evard is known to operate from Sheldamar Valley, which is, I think, somewhere in Greyhawk. Uh, where he deals as an information broker. He's an enemy of Mordenkainen, the famous, the ultimate, if any, named brand wizard. Yeah, we'll, played uh, we'll by, get to more. We'll, we'll get to him in a second. We'll talk to Mordenkainen a bit. Famous, but, um, 
yeah, we're working up to that one. Um, I like Tensor. Mm. Tensor's one I, I, I know a bit about. Um, so Gary Gygax, uh, his son, Ernie, Ernest and Full. If you rearrange the letters in Ernest, it spells Tensor. And legend has it that when uh, Gygax was testing out uh, the dungeon beneath uh, Greyhawk, he got his son and daughter, uh, Elsie, Elise, something like that. Uh, they were they played uh, characters, Tensor being a, a wizard. Um, they clear the dungeon and they find a treasure of 2,000 copper coins. Now, I know, converted into gold, that's not so much, but it's still that's a decent-sized treasure. However, how do you move 2,000 coins? You don't. So the children were, were much disappointed. And I think Tensor went away at that point, vowing a new spell. I shall come up with a magical means by which to carry coins, which is essentially what Tensor's floating disc is. It and is your first level spell, magic yeah, forklift. Exactly. It's only for wizards. So oh, he made this exclusive, uh, a wizard exclusive spell. Uh, name brand Tensor's flo- floating disc. Oh, there is a generic, uh, brandless version. Right. But you don't beyond, don't but... use the brand the, the generic version. They're crap. They <laughs> they don't carry as much as they say Not they're the going to. Every exactly. time you load it up, it always bottoms out. Now this spell has obviously been so carefully worded to because me, exactly because the first thing I remember doing with this many many decades ago was oh, I can cast it and then jump on it like a surfboard and fly it around. Nope. No, 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 you can't. Very specifically, no. But you can actually put your friend on it. Good, theoretically. And, and they could cast it and, and you could be on it. But theirs. it doesn't fly around like a hoverboard. It kind of just follows you around. Exactly. But, all right, have you ever been like at the end of a rope that somebody's like kind of like run with and flicked? Like if you've ever been on a skateboard or a surfboard or a wakeboard or something holding onto a rope mm. and then like being pulled by something fast and then it kind of like takes a sharp turn and you go flying out How, can you do that with tensor's floating disc i would think so it's a good question how about we read the spell yeah and just... learn of its very specific nature the spell creates a circular horizontal plane of force three feet in diameter and one inch thick that floats three feet above the ground in an unoccupied space of your choice that you can see within range the disc remains there for the duration and you can and it can hold up to 500 pounds if more weight is placed on it, the spell ends and everything on the disc falls to the ground. So it can hold quite a bit. But here is a good clarification. The disc is immobile while you are within 20 feet of it. If you move more than 20 feet away from it, the disc follows you so that it remains within 20 feet of you. It can move across uneven terrain up or downstairs, slopes and the like, but it can't cross an elevation change of 10 feet or more. For example, the disc can't move across a 10-foot deep pit, nor could it leave such a pitch pit if it was created at the bottom. If you move more than 100 feet away from the disc, typically because it can't move around an obstacle to follow you, the spell ends. Yep, they wrote that so you couldn't surf it. Exactly. Still, though. Or, like, you, you, you physically can't really write it. Not the best of the tensor spells. No. The best, and which is actually possibly... One of my like favorite that I've not ever played with, but I want to really play with. I have this really great idea for a uh, Gith uh, warrior wizard. wizard. 
Uh, this is the perfect spell. She for you. uses yeah, like a big two-handed sword. Uh, and, and yeah, if you it, ever wanted to hulk out as a wizard, on, it's relies accurate. on Tensor's transformation. Tensor's transformation. Sixth level spell. So mm, quite a high level one. You gonna gotta you, invest eleven levels in wizard. You've got to build. A, yeah, like you've got to be building for a campaign that that where the DM is like, yeah, we need everybody to have build eleventh level or higher. And you're like, okay, Tensor's this is my chance. Time or when you reach eleventh level, consider this spell and, and, as a wizard. And I would just build her as a completely like buff spell type wizard mostly maybe some magic missiles maybe some things that you know you can't really mess up you don't need a really high spell casting ability and then you know dump the rest into strength mm. constitution and stuff why because this is what the spell gives you for 10 minutes it is concentration but uh you do have proficiency in constitution Should saving throws while the thing is open stuff. plus warcaster you gain 50 temporary hit points 50 which remain until the spell ends, That's at which awesome. point they're lost. Uh, I mean, not a lot if you look at um, Levistus's tomb and Eldritch Invocations, which give you 10 per Warlock level. So at 11th level, you get 110 temporary hit points, but I mean, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that's a lot of temporary hit points, especially for a, a spell like this, which is very... Um, well, you need it. And if you're going you to you're gonna be, fray, a warrior, you know, exactly. gonna be a warrior wizard like that... And as a wizard, it's you're going like, those... It just evens temporary. you out with the fighters mm. by that level. That's all that extra like plus five per level sort of thing. You have advantage on attack rolls that you make with simple and martial weapons. Yeehaw, baby. When you hit a target with a weapon attack, it takes an extra 2d12 force damage. I love rolling d12. Who doesn't like to roll a d12? And it's force damage. Nobody resists that. And there's not just one d12. There's two of them. On mm. top of whatever the sword does. And yeah. actually, if you wanted to really go crazy, which sword, Which is it the battle axe as a d12? Yeah. Or, yeah, exactly. You, you could be a like 3D3, a 3d12. You could have a 3d12. Or, weapon. I mean, a better choice is a great sword or something. Yeah, so I would choose 2d12, 2d6. But and then you sort of, yeah, you've got enough more, or av more average. But it doesn't matter what you choose because you have proficiency with all armor, shield, simper weapons, and martial weapons for the spell's duration. Yep. And your save, uh, your saves for your both your strength and constitution get proficiency. It's just like, boom, I'm a fighter. Boom. Instant proficiency. You can attack twice instead of once when you take the attack action on your turn, but you ignore it, of course, if you already have uh, extra attack. But this, I think, is a very cool for, again, your fighter wizard. It doesn't make you big or anything. doesn't like make you You do have to succeed monster, a DC 15 con save after the spell, which so means you no longer get that after proficiency. your proficiency exactly. is washed off or your one level of exhaustion. But hey, you know, whatevs, worth it. There is a material cost to this. Is there? Yeah, a few hairs from a bull. I mean, of course, if you have a spell casting focus, you don't need it. But still, I think that's funny. Get your minotaur to come over. Plink! How? Check this out. Well, that's the other thing we're hoping is coming up in Tasha's uh, cauldron of everything, is that uh, certain racial abilities and stuff can be modified and changed. So we can, instead of having the big ragey minotaur, we can have the smart... Mastermind cunning. cunning. Uh, but that's another topic for another, another topic day. Another for another day. Back to our Back pages to of the mages. As pages from the mages. So that's Tensor's. Tensor. And if you've not seen Tensor's Transformation or Check used it, it, get it. It's going to be good. It's going to mm -hmm. be great. Next, I want to talk a little bit about Snillock. Yep, Snillock. Another one who is uh, really played at one point, I believe. And whose yeah. name is just the reverse of Collins. Yeah, it was uh, some TSR employee 
back in the day, he made up a wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, Not yeah. much is known about him other than he went to Zakar, which is a place in Favorite, I believe. Or yeah, or yeah. Or it's it's in the desert, which is ironic because... His spells are all snow spells. In 5th yeah, edition, you may know him from Snillock's Snowball Swarm. Yeah, good old snowball. Uh, snowball fights. Everybody loves a snowball fight. And what's more memorable than a snowball fight in the desert exactly and don't worry your snowball fight i believe will be lethal because each of those snowballs deal 3d6 cold damage well, that's how we well, used to make snowballs in canada <laughs> when i was course. growing up they were all lethal they're all magic yeah well the trick is to put a little bit a little rock right in the center of each snowball and then like squeeze it with your hands until it gets icy like your warmth of your hand melts it a bit and then let it kind of like refreeze so basically you've got like an ice ball with a rock center well that's actually the spell material component a small white rock chip yeah or a piece of ice but still how, i think you gotta we, play dirty that's how we played yeah we, exactly we, how we did it on the wrong side of I the mean, track. I mean, sorcerers get this as well, and so I think if you like do an empowered thing, it's definitely like you put like some sort of like sharpened rock in there for sure. <laughs> or you twin twin your snowballs. Exactly. Well, I think it's a. Oh wait, no, no. Well, it is like a deck save thing, I think. But uh, still, never mind. Then Rari, I I, I see he, him mentioned in a different oh, person. That was name, a. I saw that but, in the Circle of Eight. The Circle of Eight, uh, a good thing to Cir- mention as Circle well. Circle of Eight. They were famous eight famous wizards. wizards who... With names like Big B and Tensor. Which also have their own spells. And Mordekainen. Right, things we've talked about before. And others that I'm not quite sure, like Dwarmage and Dwarm- Oat. Dwarmage, which you may Odalink. know for uh, Instant Summons. Odalink, Otto. which you may know for Resilient Sphere and Freezing Sphere. Big Mist- B, which you may know for Big B's Hand. You know, that used to be a bunch of different spells. Back yeah, in the yeah, day, yeah. it was like gloves, one for pushing and one for pulling and one for, and now they're just like, yeah, one hand. Just go, things. one hand, boom. Yeah. I mean, it also has a name or a, a nameless version referred so, to as arcane hand. I had this thing before and I, I still, I've, I've worked hard to overcome it. And I'm wondering if others out there feel the same way that name brand spells are ones I often skip somehow mm-hmm. because I don't understand the name. Yeah. I, who is this person? What is it? And I don't know if I want to use their stuff if they got their name on it. Like if you go to a fridge somewhere and it says, you know jack's spaghetti i don't eat jack's spaghetti mm. well actually it's not true I, well, eat, I eat your food all the time yeah some strange spell i can cast on you maybe um so yeah uh, Stop i, I think a lot of people that. avoid the name the name brand spells but i say go you know for what? it now i'm gonna make a wizard whose only spell catalog has all other spell like wizards yeah. and he's just like plagiarist fanboy exactly fangirl of all fangirl. these different wizards just just totally deep into or just like had no interest in like learning other spells and was just like just copy pasted all of his like plagiarism yeah. like full on like oh i had to do my magic report or I you could have, the, or could have this real thing. ego thing where you take all the name brand spells but then you put your wizards oh and you just completely like make it your own like mm-hmm. so like sojan's, yeah, are all mine. sojan's hand uh sojan's transformation yeah sojan's. sojan is of course jason's wizard alter ego yeah that's a simple thing i mean a lot of these are just like re like yeah working it seems it seems names, like you know? yeah the, the great wizards names were always just anagrams of their players uh, except maybe not i mean i don't think mordekainen is i don't think abby dalsam is either but yeah abby dalsam uh xanathar's guide first spell in it horrid wilting so like horrid wilting yeah Again, it's, it's a pretty high level spell an eighth level one for sorcerers level. and wizards pretty abidalism and abidalism immediately gives me this idea that we've got some sort of uh 
Arabian Nights type setting, but it doesn't have to be at all. No, right? no. No, this doesn't have to be out in the desert either. He's the father of droughts, though. He is from the desert, but he is an, I think I talked, touched on this a little earlier, a skilled elementalist and dreaded practitioner but of necromancy. draw moisture from every creature in 30-foot cubes centered on a point you choose. I mean, where else are you going to get it in the desert? Each like creature that? in the area makes a constitution save. Constructs and undead obviously aren't affected. Plants and water elementals save at disadvantage. So that water weird now is then a rough time with it. And then you take 12d8 necrotic. Oof. That's pretty bad. A, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, half that obviously if you do save, but... Non-magical plants in the area that aren't creatures, such as trees and shrubs, wither and die instantly. And that's just it. They're just gone. <laughs> Kaput. Slurp. So that's a that's a badass uh, spell. I mean, it is eighth level. You're only going to and be you do need a little bit of sponge. Probably only going to be dropping that. Yeah, it's pretty minor. Um, but yeah, you, that's a lot of creatures. What I really wish it did next foot, is it says you can now gather that as water. Because where does that all the, the water is the moisture go? Um, but it could also be fun. Like if you were in a if you were in a fight that was had a lot of heavily obscured creatures in the woods. This is like quick way to defoliate the forest. Yeah, get rid of all the just kill all the shrubs around you. Um, this is Agent Orange for uh, your forest fight. What I think is missing from this spell is like, where does that moisture go? Like you draw it, but can I create a gallon of water? How much you're, water can I create? You're just gonna be going to the bathroom for like, oh my god, all day long, <laughs> every five minutes. Yeah, suddenly everyone else around you is like really thirsty. <laughs> Uh, the other great one that keeps coming back, uh, it's been around for a long time, a lot of editions, and I think, uh, and I think Chris Perkins said this sub at some point, I agree, Agonazar's Scorcher. Agonazar's Scorcher. You may have seen it, a second level fire spell. Yeah, it, it says, it's, it's just fun to say. It's like a concentrated burning hand, and, and they call it. Somehow, yeah, I know, but the word Scorcher, to me, makes it sound like a... Like that's just like a, a really hot summer's day. Yeah, I mean there is a scorching ray, but this is not and, scorching. But ray. also, this like it also kind of makes me think of like the word ranger, and it somehow it just makes me feel like Agonazar is throwing a party and everyone's invited. <laughs> well, as long as that party is a line of roaring flames, thirty feet long and five feet wide, that emanates from you in the direction of your choice. That forces each creature in the line to make a dexterity saving throw, taking three to eight fire damage on a failed save and half as much as on a that, successful that, one. That sounds like a great that's party the, to me. That's the sort of conga lines that are at my parties. Exactly. Conga lines of fire. <laughs> Burning down the house. And it does. This one's a little bit of an expensive component, unless, of course, you've got a spellcasting um, focus. It requires a red dragon scale. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, in most good apothecaries cover the, carry those sorts of things. <laughs> We know actually a little bit about uh, Aganazar, although of course with all of these, their history can be your own as a DM. But and yeah, you definitely should should work them, mm. work up your own stuff if you want for them. Or even if you play a wizard, make your own spells. Name all the spells you create after you, or all the spells you have after you. But uh, yeah, or or go and look up the history of things like this. So mm. Aganazar sets up uh, a school of wizardry in Neverwinter. It could still have his name on it, like. I'm sure you've gone past many institutions around the world that has got somebody's name on it mm. who built a school or a or museum like or a, a library. Or an art who, center that was like funded exactly. by Exactly, and then and they've passed on, but their name stays on the building. And so I, I have 
no reason to think that if you were to visit Neverwinter and look for the School of Wizardry, it would be the Agonazar School of Wizardry. Sure. It's there. Um, and even if he has Could no have even longer... been like built in his like big mansion, which is really just three houses cobbled together. Speaking of which, Agonazar was an irascible? Irascible. That's a fun word. Quick Ar- to irritate. Quick to irritate wizards. So hot-tempered. Uh, which resulted in him flinging scorchers around. Exactly. Um, which kind of like makes sense, right? And he retired to the Savage uh, Coast North. Um, Savage Coast North, which is sort of like a real estate agent's term yeah. for like, it's like trying to like make the bad neighborhood seem like a better neighborhood. Mm. Quarreled with several clients and ended up moving to Neverwinter because, you yeah. know, he sold his so, magic. So, yeah, he, he, he moved further, <laughs> further, further up the up coast. Further up to Neverwinter. Uh, more civilized um, part of the coast. Where he spent two decades going, uh, doing magic for frees until the Red Wizards of Thay decided to yeah, eliminate he, him. He joined, well, he, he had a group called the Covenant. Uh, apparently they've got a book called The Tome of the Covenant. Um, and uh, yeah, he, as most wizards do, they get into sort of territory wars and mm, rivalries, trade, trademark and infringement like battles. Uh, exactly. You know, whose name should go on that spell? I mean, just look at Xanathar's downtime revisited and crafting spell scrolls and whatnot. You'll see how crazy that but life again, is. He, he, we just dug into this one a little bit and came across another spell of his, a higher level one, called Agonazar's Hurlgate. Do you know what level? I don't think we have a level for it. Uh, I don't know. I don't think there was one listed, but I mean, it doesn't exist in 5e. So mm, it's true. But I would guess this one seems like a higher level. It's like at least like reverse gravity, which is seven. I think it's right? slightly lower than reverse gravity, mm, though. And does the same thing ish. Uh, so it's the idea behind Hurlgate is that you create this this sphere that's like kind of Pac-Man scoops everybody up and then flies them up high in the sky and dumps them out. Yeah. I think it's sort of super fun. Or even think like a little portal on the well, ground. Because that, like, as we know, the the most dangerous thing in all of Dungeons and Dragons is, is falling. falling. Yeah. Could yeah. be up to twenty D six. So take that. To be very Unless you're very like powerful. a monk or Or maybe you even want to use it for, for utility where you want to get up on that the top of that building over there, you scoop yourself up yeah. and suddenly you're at the top of that building. Or cliff or whatever, yeah. Yeah, scoop up all your friends, all your party members, or lock someone in jail. Could you? Does it like go through walls? Does it? Uh, what are the limits for it? Does it just go directly upwards? What can I do with it? It's but sort of like I thought I should have. As I read it, it seemed like a bit of a gate sort of thing. So it was kind mm-hmm. of like oh, you scoops you up at the bottom, and then you know? you, I don't think it actually flies you up. I think it scoops you up at the bottom, and, and then, then a <laughs> little portal opens up above, right. and then you fall out. Yeah, but. Perhaps he used this when his his clients got a little bit too frustrated with him, so he just prorogated them away. I made any money. <laughs> um, well, there's plenty. I, I think even things like Dromage, Bigsby, all part of the Circle of Eight. Which what was the Circle of Eight? I don't know. It's like probably like the Mighty Powerful Nine. Wizards. There's like only six of them. <laughs> Powerful wizards that united. Um, but yeah, of course, again, most famous. Would you, would you imagine playing a game with like eight wizards? Yeah, it's like crazy. imagine having to be the DM to deal with that. Each of them have a play different school of magic. Actually, I think one of the hardest challenges as a DM is when you have, I mean, just contending with with spellcasters at your table because mm-hmm. as a DM, there's a lot of different spells that could be pulled out by your spellcasters. Um, 
especially by your clerics and druids, because they are like, yeah, they're like, oh, Anything just to draw from the entire book. What they? And you'd be am like, I feeling like a guiding bolt today, and, or a and yeah, as a DM, wounds. as a DM, they kind of players often, especially newer ones, they look at you, they expecting sort of like that. They're like, oh, some trick. I cast yeah. such and such, and you're like, you're looking at them as if to expect an attack roll, and they're like, oh no, they've got to make a, a constitution save or whatever. I'm like. Oh. Tell me if I have to make a save. Help me out here, folks. Um, I'd like to wish I could say that I have every spell in the spell book memorized, but I do not. There is a lot of them. It's good wizard um, etiquette or other spellcaster etiquette to just like let your, yeah. like, all right, uh, I'm making an attack roll. Especially the first few times exactly. you're playing the spell, read them out, read them aloud, let us all know. I know it's a bit meta at the table, but at least everybody's got a sense of what you're doing and what the effect is of it. Um, mm. It does help a little bit for running the game. Uh, but yeah, once we've sort of gotten past it, the first couple of times you cast it, then yeah, we can just be cool about... What happens. Yeah. About and then the you go into sorcerer territory narrative. where you twin it, extend it, quicken it. Sure. Ever. Uh, that's easier to, again, the somehow the, the, the smaller spell lists are easier as a DM too. Mm-hmm. Keep your head around what your players have got, especially um, when you know. But as a tip, as a tip, actually, look look up all your players' spells. There's usually Although not it's that a little many. hard sometimes with clerics and wizards. Like sure, we've like I said, those ones are the harder ones uh, of it. But the thing is, most players, in my experience, they have got personal favorites. They've got ones that they typically they've got like a, a solid daily time. rotation. You know, like and for a lot of those, you can know them. Mm. Um, but yeah, and players out there, just be kind to your DM. Don't expect them to know, like to remember everything, like its range and its duration. Mm. If it has a component cost, like be and those are things you helpful. need to be on top of as well. Like how close is that person to me? Are they yeah. within the spell's range? Play it, play are it they right. don't exactly? Make, don't make your DM keep track of concentration. Have to don't ask expect the question. to like have your DM keep track of concentration. Make yeah. sure that you're rolling it because it's a very easy thing to forget. Yeah. A big part of those, like a big drawback of those spells. But before we wrap up, I want to go maybe a little rapid fire round through each of our mm. our famous wizards, well, and then maybe touch on Morden Caitlin a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I want bit. to talk about him a little bit more. Um, we have, of course, Abby Dalzentord, Wilting, Agonazar, Scorcher, Big B's Hand, uh, Dromage, uh, Dromages, Dromages, Instant Summons, Avard's Black Tentacles, Galder's Speedy Courier, Galder's Tower, Liaman's Secret Chest, Liaman's Tiny Hut, Maximilian's Earthen Grasp, Melf's Acid Arrow, Melf's Minute Minotaurs. Oh. Meteors. <laughs> yes, mini minotaurs. He summons a bunch of them and they like, and it's a, the question is, do you want one six foot minotaur or six one foot minotaurs? What's more scary? I mean, in terms of action economy, that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. Uh, Morden Caden's Faithful Hound, Morden Caden's Private Sanctum, Morden Caden's Sword, Morden Caden's Magnificent Mansion. Yeah, he's, I think there's he's a lot of, a alliter- of alliteration. No, but stuff. here's the thing of the wizards, Morden Caden who has a whole book out already, by the way, if you yeah. haven't seen his Tome of Foes. Uh, loads of great stuff about really scary monsters and whatnot in there. Um, and and for good reason, he, he's gotten around. He's done a few things. Some and, people even say he's transcended dimensions. Well, if you play Curse of Strahd, like I'm running right now. Spoilers. <laughs> he's there. He's an NPC in that campaign setting. Very exciting stuff. Um, it is pretty huge, actually. You you kind of go and rescue him, and you get to have one of the most famous wizards of all time join you in a fight against the most famous vampire of all time. Um, 
it's huge. It's so awesome. Uh, as, as backup NPC firepower goes to say, oh yeah, I've thrown down with Morden Kane and he's like, he's a butt of mine. Like my character and him. Yeah. They're totally tight. Mm. I've been to his mansion. I've been not just like somebody else casting his mansion. No, no. Into his mansion. And you know, the magnificent the one, <laughs> like the original, uh, that's, that's huge. I, I think, I don't think people understand that he's, he's in Curse of Strahd. Like, I don't know if any of the other wizards that we've talked or mentioned today have got an actual adventure out there that you can bump into them in. I, I don't think they do. Um, I could be wrong, but a lot of them are really just, you know, they've lost, been lost in the pages of, of obscurity. But the fact that uh, in fifth edition source book, Curse of Strahd setting, he is there. Uh, super fun. Super mm, duper very, fun. Very, very fun. I call him Morty uh, for short. Morty? Morty. Um, and yeah, finding Morty is a bit of a, is a sort of a, a side quest. The party hasn't actually gone and found him yet. They've had little visions and flashes of, of, of him. Of this mad mage. Uh, he's, he's using, he's lost his spell book and his staff. Oh, that so sucks for he, a wizard. Yeah, so he's he's got a very short list of spells that he's got, but it's good enough that he's using a, a really clever combination of spells to mask his uh, his his presence, so that Strahd can't find mm-hmm. him. And that even could move us on to our our next spellcaster, but finish up. Anyway, so but anyways, it, I like how they've changed. They've used that idea that if you are recasting certain spells upon yourself day after day um especially the ones he's using in combination to hide himself that it's making him crazy that he's he's gone a wee tad loopy i don't know if he can find himself anymore and exactly it's up to you as a dm decide how long he's been doing it for i'm only suggesting he's been doing it for a few days and it's already starting to get to him uh, by the time the players well i mean we'll see how long it takes before they go to find him uh, currently in the timeline, he's only been at it a, a couple of days, but uh, it could be a while more before they find him. And 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 because of that, the way the rules are written is actually he's pretty easy to fix and cure, fix up. So I couldn't imagine he'd been at it for like years or something and is like so broken uh, that he's beyond fixing. But um, yeah, you'll be able to patch him up. And if this is assuming that the cards say that he's he's your ally that's going to go fight. Uh, and, but I also know some DMS out there who seem to think that you could take all the different NPCs and pour them together into one super team to go fight Strahd. But I sort of feel like you're not doing yourself, you're doing yourself a disservice as a DM. If you're playing more characters at the table than the party is in a fight against your bad guy. Um, I, yeah, I think too many DM NPCs get crazy. I even think the battle of like having, Strahd the wizard versus Mordekane and the wizard and they're both under my control kind of boring like as a DM I don't really want to fight myself any more mm. than I really want to have a conversation and a yeah. role play I hate having to role play two characters having a conversation that the party's watching that's terrible I think a good example of that is in Critical Role with like Matt Mercer and whenever he gets to the how do you want to do this he's like Ugh, I feel so bad yeah you don't, <laughs> you don't, don't really you don't really want to have to fight yourself as a DM that's that's kind of not the fun in the game. And it's, it's great when your party's like kind of cool and sees you as part of the gang in those situations. It's mm. fun. Um, but 
anyway, so yeah, if you want to see more about Mordenkainen, he he's around in a much bigger way than almost any of the other named wizards are, except for possibly now, Tasha. It's coming this November. And if you want to hide yourself like Mordenkainen, check out Nistel's Magic Aura, also called Arcanist's Magic Aura. But it lets you make yourself look like you're not there or that you're a different kind of creature or even hide an object and things like that. And so now that fiend lurking in your mists to all outward magical inspection looks like a a humanoid. If or now if, Curse of Strahd. If you're really small, can't you climb into Lehman's tiny, tiny chest and... <laughs> hide in there i don't think so i feel like that's a bad idea i yeah. feel like it specifically says there's Never like no oxygen lock in there. yourself in a small box kids no matter how much fun it might sound like don't lock your friends in small boxes don't lock yourself in them wow. and yeah if you're disposing your refrigerators take your doors off them that used to be the thing that we were, hmm. had to do as kids because huh you hide a chest and all its contents on the ethereal plane you must touch the chest and a miniature replica that serves as the material component for the spell. The chest can contain up to 12 cubic feet of non-living, keyword there, material. Although, there are spells that make you non-living to all outward inspection, yeah, like the, the monk, the Ma- Way of Mercy monk. And the, with the feign death, doesn't that one? No, continue? that just makes you look like you're dead. But, well, maybe... Maybe that's non-living material. <laughs> Could you feign death and shove yourself feign in a death, secret chest? Jump in. Or you have to jump in, have your close the door, feign teleport death. Teleport you past. Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, what a funny thing. And you know what? I love these things, though. Here's, again, as a DM, and this is up to you, you can either be super stickler for what the spells do, or you can be a little bit more loosey-goosey. I particularly like in the game saying if you cast at a spell slot higher... We can be quite loosey-goosey if you're willing to burn a bigger spell slot and you want the spell to be a little bit more like, all right. Oh, I guess you can feign death and shove your friend in there and travel across the universe. Yeah, and cast, you can cast it sort of higher level. Yeah, whatever. You know, we, we, can, we can sort of fudge the, the, the some of the edges of, of spells a little bit. And I think that's more fun with spell casting that the rules are there to shut down things getting out of control, in situ- in, especially in combat situations. But in sort of non-combat, improvising, interesting, fun solution type things, yeah, let let the magic roll, baby. I mean, this is fantasy. It should be fun. Um, and yeah, the, the game is written not to prevent fun. It's designed uh, to sort of, yeah, rules are made to be broken. I mean, the question is what happens when feigned death ends and you're still in the secret chest? Yeah, death, the real death starts happening. Fun times. You instantly die, perhaps? But then, hey, you pop back, and that's what raised Dead's for. No, but here's another thing. After 60 days, there's a cumulative 5% chance per day that the spell effect ends. Oh, yeah. The, the... This effect ends if you cast the spell again, if the replica chest is destroyed, or if you choose to end the spell as an action. If the spell ends, and the larger chest is on the ethereal plane, it is irretrievably lost, including any contents within it. Yeah. And so your friend is now irretrievably there's, lost in the ethereal. At some point so we should gone. gather he's up. Gone there's, from reality. There's, there are several ways in D&D. To r- remove something to from existence. To find yourself, your, your player character, just to be really gone. Forever. Not raised deadable, not like to resurrection. Not even true, true resurrection. Lost. Just they're gone just to time. Lost. Um, this is how you, it's typically with the extra dimensional stuff you'll yeah, find. And you know what? And maybe when we ask ourselves, what happened to all these name brand wizards? 
they ended up in secret chests. When you start and messing with magic, sometimes you just, you just find yeah. yourself in the happy time. fun ball and never to be found again. Exactly. So, yeah. All right. We've got a couple more. Just oh. a few more to touch on, and then we're all right, for okay. sure. Okay. Right. Ot- Otiluk, the master of spheres. Yeah. Who likes his snow snow globes with his freezing sphere and his non-breaking snow globes with his resilient spheres? Get together spheres. with Snillock. Exactly, they can be the master of spheres and snow. Uh, Otto with his irresistible dance. That seems to go along with actually that was the one mm. that was done in in the critical role. My bad, it wasn't Tasha's hideous laughter. Irresistible dance for all of those you there in Radio Land who've been all this time going. Oh, Jay doesn't remember what he's talking about. You're right. My wizard memory is sometimes I love, fuzzy. I love Irresistible Dance. It's just a, it's so it's a, a higher fun, level one. Yeah, it's a, such is, a funny one. Which is Sixth why level. it worked. Probably better than Hideous um, Laughter would have. Choose one creature you can see within range. It begins a comic dance, specifically it's as written, comic dance, in place. Shuffling, tapping its feet, and capering. Capering? Federation. Creatures that can't be charmed are immune to the spell. So that's one thing that Tasha's Hideous Laughter can is, do that is, this can't. There's a save, so wisdom save on it, right? Uh, no, there's no save to it. When the spell begins, there's no save, but I know it says that. But once when you first cast it, there's no save. So at However, least one round, exactly, of them. But they save at the end of their turn, then. Exactly, but a dancing creature. So here's the second part: a dancing creature must use all its movement to dance without leaving its space and has disadvantage on dexterity saving throws and attack rolls. So finesse weapons, whatnot, have disadvantage for that one round, as well as tech saves. While the target is affected by the spell, other creatures have advantage on attack rolls against it. As an action, the dancing creature makes a wisdom saving throw to regain control of itself. As an action, so they have to use... So they have to spend their action. So theoretically, they could still like, hey, check it, help, I'm still helping they, my ally while well, dancing, it, well, but they I can't could, move. Or they can choose to attack. With a disadvantage. Or they can try and do it, with, but with disadvantage. Yeah. Although if it's still a greatsword, they seemingly don't have disadvantage or strength weapons or whatnot. But on a successful save, the spell ends. <laughs> it's such a funny spell. Even just like to force anyone to just dance for you. Yeah, I, I think Otto and Sasha... Uh, Sasha? Sasha? Tasha. Tanasha. Tanasha? No. Is it Natasha? Natasha. Tasha. Um, or, yeah. Or uh, Igvil. <laughs> um... I think the two of them, Otto and Eggville at a party, yeah. uh, there's just dancing and laughter. It's good times. Good times. Great times. Good times. That and and my scorcher. And your snowball swarm. At the scorcher. Snowball fight. The snowball fight at In the your scorcher. magnificent mansion. <laughs> the magnificent mansion. Really, what we've learned here is all of these spells are great for a party. Yeah. Like, don't overlook the name brand spells, baby. Mm. Fun I mean, times. Until Abby Dalsam comes in with his horrid wilting and then it's a real party pooper. But Yeah. Uh, what was the and what's the Widowgast one? Widowgast, Web of Fire. Those okay. are some critical role ones for people who don't but, know what we're well, I mean, discussing. But at the the rate that the folks at Critical Role are going, it yeah, won't be long knows. before <laughs> the follow up book to uh, the Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount comes out. I really think those spells um, should have been in Explorer's Guide to Wild which Mount, which will be you know Widowgast's uh, book of everything. I mean, there's also Dunamancy out there, and that could be a whole episode we talk about. What is Dunamancy? Well, in the in the Take a well, dude. he he can go so much Deuce. deeper with that. And then mm-hmm. again, if you need a famous wizard to throw on the front cover of it, Caleb or Widowgast. It'll be Widowgast once he's twentieth level, once he's retired, once they've moved yeah, on to once they season go to three, whatever exactly. Then, uh, then yeah, they meet old Widowgast. <laughs> uh, 
and maybe Whittlegast again disappears somehow into all they know from him is his web of fire yeah we're not quite sure what happened to him he went to some party at a mansion it was supposed to be a scorcher and things went south <laughs> yeah he got locked in a, a box because we thought it was be funny yeah, it never returned. Never came back. Irretrievably lost Irretrievably in the material plane. Lost. Here, ethereal plane. Thank you, folks, out there. That's all, folks. Like those, those old cartoons. Yeah, you've never seen this. You know, no, I saw a That's couple of those. That's Porky Pig. Yeah, he goes like. He's got a stutter. <laughs> he, he doesn't. Got a stutter. That's all, folks. Like a little dingle to it. Yeah something like that uh check out these and then you the irresistible D&D. dance to it nothing to do with the indie but now it does there is no pig class <laughs> you could play a werebore werebore <laughs> let's build a werebore wizard the werebore wizard porky that Thank is all this so week. much for tuning in to our keeping up with our antics our spell casting name brand extraordinary uh adventure whatever now you know what was what spells to buy. What spells are the best? Always invest in name brand spells. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, you buy spell scrolls. I guess you can. You could very much. And buy if you're a wizard, spells. you can buy all of these and cast all of these spell scrolls. Why not? Just buy an irresistible dance spell scroll and you got yourself a, a wonderful evening, or a wonderful one minute. Uh, thanks a lot, folks. Uh, tune in next week. Bye. Bye.